Welcome once again to Exploring the Scriptures presentation of the Old Testament with Dr. Ron Bartholomew. Here is Dr. Bartholomew. In the book of Job, and we're going to transition from Job into the Proverbs and Ecclesiastes today. First, I want to say a little thing about Job versus Solomon. Last week we talked about the book of Job and Job's triumph over evil. Today I'd like to contrast him with Solomon just a little bit and then transition into the book of Psalms and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. I think there's a couple of lessons we can learn from the book of Job. First of all, no matter what happened to Job, he persevered and endured to the end. He did it not knowing that what was happening to him was was approved by God. He, all he knew was he was suffering. He didn't know anything else. We read the book and we know what's happening to Job. But remember, Job did not know what's happening. And he just persevered and endured to the end. That is so, such a great example for all of us. We also learn from Job that we don't, we don't need to understand our trials to endure them well. He didn't understand what was happening to him. He had There's no reason to believe that he ever knew anything that was happening to him. He just endured well anyway. I also, I also think that we can learn from the book of Job. If you keep praying for revelation and answers, wait patiently on the Lord. Eventually the time will come the Lord will talk to you. In our day and age, we're used to everything being instantaneous. Microwaves, cell phones, etc. Everything just instantaneous at our hands. I think it's important for us to remember that Job doesn't, not only did Job not have any of that, his answer didn't come until after a long, long time of suffering. While that sentiment's not popular with Latter-day Saints, it's still true today. Heavenly Father doesn't always tell us why things are happening to us. In fact, He rarely does. I look at my own, I look at my own self as an example. I have no idea why I'm having the trial I'm having right now. I just know that I'm having it. And I could lose my faith or I could gain my faith and I'm, ga- I'm choosing to gain faith from it by listening to the Lord and trying to follow His teachings in my disability. I think there's many of us that are having problems with our children, with our marriages, with a health problem, with, another, with financial challenges. I think it's important to remember that sometimes the answers come slow. We're, we have the experience we're having for our own benefit and then, and then we're released at the end. I think that similarly, Job had his challenge for a long time. He lost all of his children. His wife disassociated with him. He was abandoned by his friends. The Lord seemed to withdraw from him. He doesn't know why, but he just keeps praying for revelation and answers. Waits patiently upon the Lord. That's the key, is to wait patiently upon the Lord. Well, that's difficult to do. It's important to do. It's the salvation that we give from this story. I want to bear my testimony that I know that that is true. I've only had my current situation for six months, but I don't know why I'm having it. But I'm just going to keep trying to serve the Lord and do the best I can while waiting patiently upon the Lord. I think one of the great lessons we can learn from the book of Job is to be careful not to judge others unrighteously. His friends came and they judged him unrighteously because in their minds, if something bad happened to you, it's because you did something bad. So they were trying to find the, the bad thing that Job had done that was the thing that he had done that was wrong. It's important for us not to judge others unrighteously because they might be having their trial for a righteous reason, not for an unrighteous reason. And it's not for us to know. This is particularly difficult for Latter-day Saints. I wish there was a better way to do it, but we just need to learn from the book of Job to be careful not to judge others unrighteously. 
the 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 main truth that arises out from this book at the very end is that God's our advocate and Satan is our accuser. God was an advocate for Job, for Job even when Job didn't know that he was. Satan was the accuser. He was the one that kept accusing Job in his mind of this, that, and the other thing. If you're feeling accused of something, that's the devil. Heavenly Father does not do that. If you feel advocated, but if you feel an advocation, some sort of an advocate, that's the Lord. That's also a difficult lesson to learn because we sometimes feel like the accusations come from the Lord, and they simply do not. They simply do not come from the Lord. Finally, the righteous suffer. Jesus, both Josephs, etc., etc., etc. The righteous people are going to suffer. They're going to suffer like the Lord did, almost as much as the Lord did. And that's just something we have to deal with. We have to face that fact. The righteous are going to suffer. The main difference for me that I learned from the book of Job is I compared Job and Solomon. Is the difference between lust, Solomon, and love, Job. Charity is the pure love of Christ and our pure love for God and his children. And Job develops that through his trials. Solomon had lost all that. He lost all of it and just developed lust as he married almost a thousand women and only for lustful reasons, which led to the, to, to, to the loss of his faith. Joseph Smith read 1 Corinthians 13, 2 and then said the following. And this is a prophecy, and I quote, But I have the gift of prophecy, and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and I have all faith so that I could remove mountains I have not charity I am nothing but I should become mighty and do great things or turn mountains for mighty works you should then turn from his high station to do evil to eat and drink with the drunken like Solomon did all his former deeds would not save him he would go to destruction I feel to pity Solomon who reached the highest heights human has ever reached but also reach the lowest depths as well okay let's now stop and take a look at the book of proverbs before we do i just want to bear my testimony to you of the importance in our book of the book of job job teaches some truths that are not had anywhere else in the bible truths about ourselves truths about trials truths about difficulties and he's he's his story is positioned by solomon's for a reason in Solomon, we see a person who attained great spiritual heights, but, but, but let it all go for physical lust. With Job, we see the opposite. A person who had also attained great physical heights, but then when he was tried, instead of turning to lust, he turned to love. He was able to love the Lord and his family even more than he had before. He was able to be blessed. He lived to, a hundred, a year, to the age of 140, righteous and good before God. It's so simple to see it when we look at the book, the, the life of Job and the life of Solomon next to each other. It's just so simple to see, oh, lust is bad. Oh, love is good. What's more difficult is when we're facing these challenges in our own lives. The Lord expects us to face love instead of lust and to face challenges and difficulties the way Job did and to endure them and not allow ourselves to be accused by others of somehow doing something wrong that's why something bad happened to us I bear testimony that the book of Job is true it's powerful teaching and it's from the Lord I say that in the name of Jesus Christ Amen okay I'd like to look with you for a minute if you have my Bible to me it's right there at the book of Proverbs please we're going to look first at Proverbs chapter 1 
Proverbs is a book that was, we're not sure exactly who the author is. Some say it was David. Some say it was someone else. But it was saved for us by the Lord so that we could learn some truths about how to live and how to how to love each other better. So I'm just going to read some, a few, just a few packages from the book of Proverbs that I think will help us as we try to understand what the Lord's trying to teach us here a little bit better. So if you have your book, please turn to the book of Proverbs with me. It's right after Psalms, of which there are many. Chapter 1, verse 10 says, My son, if sinners entice thee, consent them not. What a powerful teaching. Anyone who entices you will be a sinner. And the Lord is simply saying, Don't give them the time of day. Do not consent to them. In chapter 4, verse 14, it says the following. Proverbs is a small book, so it's easy just to turn one page too many. Enter not into the path of the wicked. Go not in the way of the evil man. Avoid it. Pass it. Pass not by it. Turn not from it and pass away. The Lord simply teaches us here to not follow wicked men. This is why he says we should not follow them, for they sleep not, except they have done mischief, and their sleep is taken away, lest they cause them to fall. Eat the bread, for they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. For the path of the just is the shining light that shineth more and people and more and more unto the perfect day. The way of the wicked is darkness, and I know not at what they stumble. While the message is simple, the truth is profound. Don't follow wicked men. Instead, follow righteous men. Now, in the day and age that we live in, wicked men are becoming more. Um, voluminous and more successful and righteous men are becoming less and less known and less and less successful but theirs is the way to truth and righteousness look at verses 26 and 27 last two verses of this chapter ponder the path of thy feet that simple phrase ponder the path of thy feet and let not let all thy ways be established turn not to the right nor to the left remove thy foot from evil once we've established ourselves on the righteous path, the Lord's telling us to stay there, not to follow the wicked off of it. I, that simple truth would save so much of humanity if they would follow it today. In a similar vein, chapter 3, verses 5 to 7 says the following. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not to thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord. And depart from evil. The writer here is establishing the fact that to know what the true path to follow is, we have to seek the Lord's help. He'll turn us from the wrong path. He'll turn us to the right path. In day and age when we don't seek the Lord's help as much as we should, I'd like to encourage you to find a way in your personal life to seek the help of the Lord to make sure that you're well following always in righteous paths. The paths of wickedness today are becoming more deceitful than ever more difficult than ever to determine. It's really easy to get off track really fast. I bear testimony that as we're prayerful and read the scriptures every day, the Lord will help us find the right path and we can stay on it more easily. This next set of scriptures I'd like to share with you have a point. And there it's kind of long, but I'll get to it. This is again chapter 3, verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be wary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as the Father and the Son whom he delighteth. 
You know, most Latter-day Saints don't like to be chastened. They don't like to be corrected. But the Lord's here, and we're here somewhere. And the Lord can see the things that we can't see, and so it's important for us to listen, to learn, to listen to the Lord. It's just that simple, to be humble enough to be corrected and chastened if we need it. In chapter 12, the psalmist, the, Proverbs, the writer of Proverbs says the following in chapter 12. He says, quote, Whoso loveth instruction loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. What a profound thought. Do you love instruction? Do you love knowledge? If you hateth reproof, you're a brutish person. Then in verse 15, the Lord says, The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. He that hearketh in the counsel is wise. Again, the Lord is establishing for us the fact that if we want to follow him, we have to be open to his teachings, open to his correction, open to receive his blessings. Here's 13 verse 1 and teaches this. A wise son heareth his father's instruction, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. And then in verse 24, He that spreadeth his rod hateth his son, he that loveth him chasteneth him betimes, which means often. Oh, how I wish there was a way to teach us to Latter-day Saints that they can understand it more easily. If you follow the Lord, you're going to be changed and chastened and corrected a lot. Because the natural man is an enemy to God and has been since the fall of Adam and it will be forever and ever. The righteous man is not righteous in himself. The righteous man is willing to listen to the Lord, willing to follow his teachings, willing to listen to what he has to say. In chapter 29, verse 15, it teaches us the following. Proverbs goes clear to chapter 29. Yeah, it does. This is what it says. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. Over and over again in the book of Proverbs, we're taught that reproof, correction, change is necessary for us to become like the Lord. In DNC 121, it teaches us the following. The reason I'm spending some time on this is because I found it increasingly difficult in the current world we live in. Latter-day Saints don't like to be corrected. They like to be kind of proud. Proud of the fact that we have the truth and we know the truth and that we're doing what's right. And that seems counter to correction. That seems counter to proof. And so when you go to correct the Latter-day Saint, they have to not hurt feelings because they believe they're doing everything right because we have the gospel. Just because we have the gospel doesn't mean we're doing anything right. What it simply means is we know that we're going to be corrected. We know that we're going to be challenged. We know that we're going to have the Lord tell us all the time things we're doing wrong. It says this in section 121. Hence, many are called if you are chosen, now listen to the characteristics of the chosen ones. No power or influence can or ought to be maintained by virtue of the priesthood, only by persuasion, by long suffering, by gentleness and meekness, and love unfeigned, by kindness, pure knowledge, which so greatly enlarges the soul without hypocrisy and without guile. In our latter day mind, we think, we read this, we think, oh, the person treating us should treat us this way. No. What this means is the person receiving the correction should receive it by persuasion, by long-suffering, by gentleness and meekness and love unfeigned, by kindness and pure knowledge. That's how we should receive correction. That's not how it's given. That's how it should be received. 
And then it talks about correction here. Reproving returns with sharpness when moved upon by the Holy Ghost. Then showing afterwards an increase of love towards him who now is reproved, was that any time you esteem him to be thine enemy, that he may know that thy faithfulness is stronger than the cords of death. So whether we're being treated a certain way or whether we're treating a certain way, we do it with love and understanding. In Psalms, in Proverbs 15, 15, it says the following. Let me make sure I taught that last point it's clear enough to be understood. Whether we're receiving correction or giving correction. Whether we're receiving correction or giving correction, we need to do it with love unfeigned, with pure, with a pure heart, with the knowledge that it's making us a better person. There's no, never a time to be defensive. There's never a time to be, to make a person feel defenseless or defensive. We should do with love unfeigned. Proverbs 15.5 says the following, A fool, which none of us want to be, despiseth his father's instruction. But he, that regardeth, he that regardeth reproof is prudent. I think all of us want to be prudent. We want to be regarded as prudent. Verse 10 it says, Correction is grievous, and him that forsaketh the way. He that hateth reproof shall die. And then at the end of this chapter 31 and 32 it says, this is chapter 15, The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. Can I read that one more time, please? The ear that heareth the reproof of life abideth among the wise. But he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. He that heareth the reproof getteth understanding. The only way we are going to become better people is to be reproved. The only way we're going to become better people is to be corrected. The only way we're going to become better people is to receive instruction from the Lord, which is often seen as reproof, especially in our blind, pride, proud minds. Psalms 22.6 teaches the following. Train up a child in the way he should go. When he is old, he will not depart from it. The way that a child should go is the way of righteousness. The way of righteousness is to receive reproof. And finally, in chapter 23, verses 13 to 14, we read, Withhold not correction from the child, for if thou bearest him with the rod, he shall not die. If thou beatest him with the rod, he shall not die. Thou shalt beat him with the rod, and he delivered his soul from hell. So I've grown a lot in my life, especially in my marriage and my career, in learning that it's good to receive correction. It's good to receive reproof. I welcome it. I joy in it, especially if it makes me a better person. And that's the way of the Lord. Now, this is a difficult concept for proud people to receive. And so if you're having a hard time with it right now, check your pride. Check your proud. Because the proud really have a hard time with correction. If you are anxious for correction and want to know how to do better, that's a good thing. That means you're humble. It's that simple. Humility versus pride. This, the, the, the writer of the Proverbs continues in chapter 13. Changing topics. He that keepeth his mouth, keepeth his life. He that openeth wide his lips, his lips shall have destruction. That's a tough one, isn't it? <laughs> that kind of says, "Be quiet." But in chapter 15, verses 1 to 2, the, the Lord reveals to us the following: A soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up the angry. The tongue of the wise uses uses knowledge aright, but the mouth of the fools poureth out foolishness. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life. Versus therein is a, is a breach of the sin of the Spirit. Here the Lord's changing the 
subject from receiving reproof to speaking wisely, softly, carefully, slowly, learn to listen more than to talk. That's the way of the Lord. Chapter 16, verse 23, it says the following, The heart of the wise teacheth his mouth and hath learning to his lips. Can I read that one more time? That's really, really good. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth. That is profound. And hath learning to his lips. It's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to say, I have no idea. It's okay to say, I'm not sure about that. But if we finally do learn the truth, the heart of the wise teaches his mouth and hath learning to his lips. I bear my testimony that that is the truth. The Lord adds to that this message in chapter 17, verse 28. Even a fool, when he holdeth his peace, is God wise. He that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. We need to learn to talk less, listen more. We do say something, only say that which is right from the Lord. Proverbs 27, verse 1 to 2. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Boy, isn't that the truth. <laughs> Let another man praise thee, and not thine own mouth, a stranger not thine own lips. I don't even know how to teach that. I'll just do my best. We don't know what tomorrow brings. Obviously, yes, this is my case. I had no idea this would happen to me. It happened in a single day. I went from being able to speak to not being able to speak in a single day. If anybody is going to praise you, let it be somebody else, not yourself. That's just that's just wise. That's just the way it is. I was thinking of a man I know who has just announced his divorce just recently. And he never did learn this lesson. He always praised himself. In fact, you could not be around him without the intoxicating wine being fed to you of his praise of himself. Well, that's just not the Lord's way. The Lord doesn't work that way. This man praised and praised and praised himself until finally he praised himself out of the church and out of his marriage. Slowly over time. What a tragedy. What a tragedy to befall his marriage. What a tragedy to befall his family. Here we had a man who could have been, should have been, a great servant of the Lord, and could have been opportunities were presented to him to serve the Lord. But he had to bail on those opportunities because his marriage failed, because he was so full of boasting. Let the Lord praise you. Let others praise you. Don't ever praise yourself. I can see more, more about that, but we're running out of time. Let me go to chapter 15, verse 8, please. Proverbs 15, verse 28. Hopefully about now some of you are thinking, is this in the Old Testament? Yeah, it is. Pretty cool, huh? This is the Old Testament. Chapter 15, verse 8 says the following, quote, The sacrifice of the, of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is, is his delight. The sacrifice of the wicked is, is an abomination to the Lord. The prayer of the upright is his delight. The Lord cares with what heart you do things. If you keep the fast, if you are nice to your family, if you do the things you're supposed to do in the gospel because the Lord said to do it and you know that's right, that's a challenging thing to face. Verse 29 says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he heareth the prayer of the righteous. 
both these scriptures teach the same thing and that is it's your heart that matters it's what's in your heart that matters no it's your showing it's what's in your heart that matters and the Lord knows your heart even if no one else does in chapter 17 verse 13 it teaches the following whoso rewardeth evil for good the evil shall not depart from his house wow whoso rewardeth evil for good evil will not depart from his house the beginning of strife is, in, is when one letteth out water, therefore, therefore leave off contention before it be meddled with. He that justifieth the wicked and he that contemneth the just, even they both are an abomination to the Lord. The Lord does not want, nor does the Lord appreciate, people who meddle with, meddle with righteousness. People who are doing evil are seen as evil by the Lord, and you can't hide yourself from the Lord. I know, unfortunately, men and women who are doing this very thing. They're putting off the airs of righteousness for wicked purposes. My friends, the Lord knows your heart. He knows what's in your mind. He knows your thoughts. You can't hide yourself from the Lord. Even if it looks good to the people around you, it's not done with a righteous heart. The Lord knows that, and he'll reward you or for your evil. So it's important not only to do what's right, it's important to do what's right for the right reason, but it's even more important to do what's right with a good heart. The psalmist continues. We're almost done. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Wow, isn't that the truth? Where there is no vision, the people perish, but if they keep it the law, the happy is he. We're in a day and age where we elect officials all the time and we sustain members of the church as well. It's important for us to remember that when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When the wicked bear rule, the people mourn. When there is no vision, the people perish, but he that keepeth the law, happy is he. I could say a lot about that, but I won't for a lot of reasons. I'll just leave that with you to you ready to think about. In chapter 31, the last chapter, teaches this about women. Before I read this, I just want to write testimony. You know, the Old Testament's interesting, isn't it? It starts out with the word old, <laughs> but it ends with the word testament. It is a testament of Jesus Christ and his teachings. I think you'll find everything the Savior taught in the Old Testament, actually. A lot of it from the book of Psalms and Proverbs. The Lord got his ideas from reading the Old Testament. That's a, that's a novel idea for some, but it's the truth. He was born in mortality and had to go through the veil. And he learned about God from experience, but also from reading. And he uses these teachings a lot in his, in his teachings. And so I think if we want to be like Jesus Christ, we need to read the Old Testament, since it's the only book he or the apostles had to read. I'll set that thought simmer for a while while I read section 30, chapter 31, verses 10 to 31. It's a lot of verses, but they're good. Now, this talks about a woman but I think it's pretty apparent that the same will be true for a man as well. Who can find a virtuous woman or a man for her price or his price is far above rubies? The heart of her husband doth safely trust in her, so he shall have no need of spoil. I think the same would be true for same would be true for a woman. The heart of her of his of his wife doth safely trust in him, so he shall have no need of spoil. She will do him good and not evil all the days of her life. He will do her good and not evil all the days of his life.
She seeketh wool and flax and worketh willingly with her hands. He does the same thing. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. I love that verse. She goes out and figures out a way to find the food that the family needs, even if came from a far off place, which in their day and age, of course, was very difficult. She does it anyway. She rises also while he is yet while it is yet night, gives meat to her husband and a portion to her maidens. She considereth a field and buyeth it with the fruit of her hands, and she planteth a vineyard. She girds her loins with strength and strengtheneth her arms. A man does the same thing. She perceived that that her merchandise is good. Her candle goeth not out by night. She layeth her hands by the spindle, and her hands hold up the sta- the staff. She stretches out her hand to the poor, and reaches forth her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of the snow for her household, for the household are clothed with scarlet or with warm clothes. She made herself coverings of tapestry, her clothing is silk and purple. A lot of these motifs don't mean a lot to us today because we don't understand them. But the the proverb, the writer of Proverbs is simply saying, this woman, or we could say man, lives a hearty life, lives a good hard life of hard work and labor, and provides for those around her. Her husband is known in the gates when he sits among the elders of the land. He maketh, she maketh fine linen and selleth it and deliver girdles unto her merchant. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in the time to come. She openeth her mouth with wisdom, and her tongue is the law of the kingdom. She looketh well to the ways of her household, and eateth not the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, husband also, and he praiseth her. Many daughters have done virtuously, but thou excellest them all. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. Woe! Think of this message for our day. Favor is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman that feareth the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands. Let her own works praise her in the gates. This is particularly meaningful for our day because we live in a culture that doesn't celebrate these kind of things with women or men, but particularly for women. The hardworking soul who does good to those around them who tries hard to keep their promises and, and live their life is not often celebrated in our culture. But that's the that's the, that's how the Lord looks at the women and the men of our day. I'm so grateful for the opportunity I have to share with you a few words from the Old Testament. It is old, but it's a testament. And as I've shown you today, I hope as I've shown you today, these books have meaning to our lives. We need to read them. It's my prayer that we will, and I say it in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for being with us today for another segment of Dr. Bartholomew's in-depth discussion of the Old Testament and how it applies to us and our lives. This podcast is presented through the facilities of Golden Gems Radio. We invite you to join us on the Internet at www.goldengems.net, where you will find presented each week a review of the music and career of one of the great musical artists from the 40s, 50s, and 60s, when music was music in the golden days of radio. We look forward to being with you again next week for another discussion of the Old Testament with Dr. Bartholomew.